where we broadcast our pirate signal and hack into the matrix. Escapingthecave.com, also on the ChristopherMedia.net network. Thank you, com- comrade. Lock, I got him. No. <laughs> Howdy, Tonzilla Files. Welcome to another episode of Escaping the Cave, the Tonzilla X Pod. I am on the ChristopherMedia.net network, excuse me, uh-huh. and also at EscapingTheCave.com. What a wonderful way to start this episode, hacking into the microphone. Well, I did turn my head. Not a barbarian, for Christ's sakes. I'm your friendly and congenial host, Todd. After this episode, you may not think me so congenial and or friendly, especially if you are coming from a certain point of view and involved in a certain profession. I want to emphasize something right now. Before we get into this, this is going to be a rare episode. This this episode, one specific topic. One. This turned into part of what this podcast was intended to be. It took on a life of its own and it had to be separated. It'll tie into what I've got for you coming up next. But I need to I need to emphasize this right now. You have just metaphorically clicked on my face. You have actively chosen to listen to this episode. You are thereby right now, implicitly, even explicitly, asking my opinion. Asking what I, I, Todd, think about in this case. What's happened to stand-up comedy? You need to keep that in mind. Especially if you agree with woke flake doctrine and what's happened to stand-up comedy in the last 20 years. If you agree with it, if you like it, if you think that this art form has become something better than it used to be, you should consider turning this podcast off right now and go listening to Dane Cook or somebody else. This isn't going to be a pleasant experience for you. You have been warned. I don't typically do this before my episodes. I need to emphasize this right now. As Dave Chappelle so eloquently put it, you clicked on, bitch, you clicked on my face. You did. I know my face isn't on the podcast art. Consider me the, the little figure in the, in the tunnel walking out toward the light. That's me. That's what you clicked on today. You are now Asking for this, buckle the fuck up. Uh, earlier this week, I had a uh, friend of mine on Facebook, old comic friend, comedian friend. He decided he was going to post, uh, repost something, share something that he had found from another comedian. And I'm going to read a chunk of this just to give you some background here. The post reads, I'm sick of hearing arguments about so-called, quote, edgy, unquote, comedy. I don't know about the rest of y'all, but as a comedian, as a comedian, speaking as a comedian, I feel like once a month I hear about some comedian, always a dude, oh my God, always straight, always white, or usually white, sorry, caught up in a controversy about their comedy offending people. The latest controversy is about Shane Gillis, a new cast member hired for Saturday Night Live. Gillis co-hosted a podcast with a long-running habit of racist and homophobic jokes. And his defense, spelled with a C, ooh, that's pretentious, was as unoriginal as his jokes. Here's example number one. Comedy is all about pushing boundaries and taking risks. 
Firstly, I don't know where this bullshit idea came from. <laughs> really? You don't? Is that right? Have you heard of George Carlin, Bill Hicks? Have you heard of Richard Pryor? Red Fox? Any of these people? Have you heard of Lenny Bruce, bitch? I don't know where this idea came from. Then she says comedy is about making people laugh. <laughs> okay. Did Mr. Gillis make people laugh with his jokes on his podcast or just not you? I digress. I have more to say about this. Uh, she continues by saying, by thinking it's all about pushing boundaries, in quotes, uh, you're cutting yourself off from so many of the great tools of comedy. Absurdism, surrealism, wordplay, physical comedy, non sequiturs, and instead just being a great tool of comedy all on your own. Really? You can't use absurdism, surrealism, wordplay, physical comedy, non sequiturs, the, those, the, those items, those techniques, those tactics, those elements of good comedy are only available to people who do unoffensive, bland, and vanilla shit. Is that what I'm hearing her say? You're cutting yourself off from so many of the great tools of comedy. How? By doing the acceptable material that this woman seems to think she knows all about and knows how to define, she's claiming that you're cutting yourself off from absurdism. Really? Secondly, what boundary is being pushed by using old racist, there it is, Asian jokes when you swap your L's and your R's? The only boundary pushed past there is a use-by date in about five or six decades. Name one comedian from five or six decades ago. Name one from six decades ago other than Lenny Bruce. Can you? No, you can't use more Saul either. Another one. Give me another one. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Come. Thirdly, there's no, quote, risk to edgy or offensive comedy. Really? Either people laugh and you get to defend yourself with, see, it's funny, or they don't laugh and you defend yourself with, it's meant to be offensive, that's the point. What are you risking, really, when you're likely months away from a Netflix special, probably called Cancelled or Triggered, rightfully so, where you somehow say all the things you supposedly can't say? That doesn't even make fucking sense. Yes, what did, what did Dave Chappelle risk with his special saying all the things he can't say? What did he risk? I think he covered that in the special. I, somehow I don't think she saw it. <laughs> I don't think she could bring herself to sit down and watch that. The people defending these dumb chuckle fucks, I give her credit for that. That's funny, chuckle fucks. I like that, I'm going to steal it. She ain't got it copyrighted. The people defending these dumb chuckle fucks are always talking about how, quote, comedy is so important it can't be censors. It's modern day philosophy, the last bastion of free speech. Nice cliche. Whilst, she says, whilst. Simultaneously arguing that, quote, it's a joke, it just doesn't mean anything, don't be so sensitive. Comedy in their mind is the most important thing that never mattered. This is the part where it gets fun. You want risky comedy, she says. Go watch a woman, which she happens to be a woman comedian. Ooh, look at that. Look how risky she is. She's a woman doing comedy. Oh, come and watch me. That's risky. Or a queer person doing comedy. You don't have a choice. This is me talking now. You don't have a choice other than to watch queer people do comedy. That's all it seems like they are. They are everywhere. You are not going to go to a showcase without seeing gay comedy. There, It's a cliche. It's become a trope now. A tired-ass trope. Oh, I'm gay. Look at me on stage. I'm a comedian. Listen to my perspective of being gay and how it's pretty much the same as the guy on before me. How can you help but go see gay comedy now? I watched a special on Netflix the other day. I did. 
It was a first comedy special uh, other than uh, Dave Chappelle that I've seen in a really long time. I clicked it on and knew within two minutes the guy was gay. I made it clear. Made it quite clear. It's like, oh, here's my cred. Here's my, here's my I suck dick cred. <laughs> Do you like me now? Am I likable? <laughs> if you want risky comedy, she says, that you have to go watch a woman or a queer person doing comedy because odds are they've been risking abuse and harassment ever since they first wore these labels. Which labels? The, the comedian label, the queer label, or the female label? Abuse and harassment. Risking abuse and harassment. Then she says, you want to be a risky comedian, do some material that challenges the status quo. If you don't think that Dave Chappelle has challenged the status quo with that Netflix special, I can't help you. You are the status quo. You have become the status quo. Everything you're writing here is the status fucking quo now. Have you not figured this out? Have you not figured out that you are the protected species that cannot be challenged? And, and you're saying challenge the status quo? What the fuck is wrong with you? Are you drunk? If that wasn't the case, you wouldn't be saying things like, always a dude, always straight, usually white, caught up in a country, blah, 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 blah. <sighs> you are the status quo now. You can't go to Our Lady of the Perpetual Victim and claim oppression anymore. You're the one doing the oppressing. Have you not noticed this? Have you not have you have you not read your own stuff? Shut up. That's unacceptable material. You can't do that anymore. <sighs> the fuck's the matter with you? You like it there. You like that position, don't you? You like the standing on that little stump, being able to pass righteous judgment upon whomever, while simultaneously sitting here in your little screed, whining and complaining. About how you've been, what was it, risking abuse and harassment ever since you first wore those labels. Are you queer too? I don't know. I can't tell. You kind of look queer. You kind of look like a lesbian to me. How do you know what a lesbian looks like? I've been to hundreds and hundreds of comedy shows. I've got a pretty good idea what a lesbian looks like at this point. You do have a little uniform. You do have a little costume. You want to be a risky comedian? Do some material that challenges the status quo. Do some jokes about how trans women are women. No, they're not. What about truth and comedy? Hmm? Do some jokes about how trans women are women. About how sex work is real work. This is all agenda shit. Your whole point here is shoving agenda doctrine bullshit down people's throats. Do some jokes about how trans women are women. They're not women. They are not women. Trans women have a penis. We have a word for that. It's man. I don't give a shit about the gender voice in your head. We've been over all of this. Do some jokes about how trans women are women. No. Then you're lying. I have this nice little book sitting out of my bookcase. If you want to borrow it sometimes, called Truth in Comedy. That is not truth. That's agenda. That's word napping. That's a whole lot of things. Truth isn't it. About how sex work is real work. More agenda. Or just non-shaming jokes about menstruation. <laughs> non-shaming jokes about menstruation, about non-binary. This bitch is a walking, talking, agenda-driven billboard. Non-binary folk, about asexuals, polyamorous folks, vegans, races other than your own. What the fuck are we doing? Oh, wait a minute. I'm sorry. That would be racist. If you're doing jokes about races other than your own, you're racist. agenda-driven bullshit. That's all this is. It's a, it's a screed. It's a disconnected screed pumping agenda. 
I'm going to assume that this chick probably just punched her ticket off of some fucking campus somewhere. If that's not you, to then talk honestly about your own life in a way that's unfiltered, realizing that, quote, unfiltered means all of it, not just the parts where you jerk off. Oh, look at you. Oh, are you shaming jerking off? Why can't I shame menstruation then? You free bleeding bitch. Why? Or try doing any joke that challenges the views of the wank-stained edgelord circle jerk fanboys. Wank-stained edgelord circle jerk fanboys who've held on to the comedy scene tighter than they've held on to their own overvalued dicks. (laughs) Do you realize the bitch doesn't realize a goddamn thing? The bitch is fucking deluded. She doesn't realize the shaming she's doing herself here. And you wonder, I'm telling you, you wonder. Oh, I'm sorry, there was one more line. And if you can't do that or you can't support that, then you aren't pushing the boundaries of comedy. You are the boundaries of comedy. Oh, you man-shaming cunt. I don't know where to begin with this. Yes, I do. I have a bunch written. See, here's the thing. What's funny? What's funny? That was where she started. It's supposed to make people laugh. That means something's funny. How is that determined? By you? Are you the comedic arbiter? Whatever the fuck your name is, are you in a self-appointed position of authority, part of the ministry of funny, who's entitled to determine and judge what's funny, what makes other people laugh other than you? And your your little cult, your little social justice cult. Comedy is incredibly subjective. It's determined subjectively by a number of things, including likability. And I can promise you, bitch, you could be the funniest thing in the world. I'll never laugh at a fucking thing you say. Ever. Ever. I'm sure you don't care. Actually, I take that back. I know you do care. Because in your little Facebook post, when people started rightfully, rightfully attacking you and pointing out the horseshit disconnections here in your little preachy screed, go follow me on Twitter, go follow me here, go follow me here. You're trying to build a brand, you're trying to get social validation through this bullshit. You decided to put out something that all your woke flake cult friends would love and give you all the likes for. Oh, look at me, I'm holding the sign, I'm carrying the agenda water for you. Like me, like me, like me. Yeah, when you started getting the fucking blowback. Go follow me on Twitter and Instagram. Go follow me. You're all about social validation. You are a comedian. Almost every comedian, almost every performer is driven by social validation. Validation of some fucking sort. You're no different. So yeah, I do think you care desperately. Deep down inside, you care desperately. You're probably sitting at your computer when nobody else is around, feeling all attacked and like your, your validation has been depleted because of all these people saying all these mean things about you, but you can't show it. You can't show it. You've got to put on this front. Oh, I don't care. I'm defiant. I'm, I don't care what anybody's. If you didn't care what anybody says, you wouldn't be a comedian. You wouldn't be getting on stage to perform for people. That's one thing that all performers have in common. One thing that all people on fucking Facebook and social media have in common now, they need. But especially performers need social validation. They demand it. It's part of their DNA for whatever reason. For whatever reason. Anyway, let me continue. Comedy is incredibly subjective. 
It's determined by a number of things, including that likability thing and whether you agree, can accept, or at least are open to the performer's point of view. For anyone to imply that just because they find someone more offensive than funny, these people are worthy of the unfunny judgment and condemnation label, it's asinine. Just because you don't agree with their point of view and you simply cannot laugh at their material because you find their material offensive, out of the bounds of acceptable discussion, for you to label them as unfunny? I mean, that is some industrial-grade, special-edge, short-bus retardation. No, it has nothing to do with being funny, does it? It's about judgment. It's about the pronouncement that the material's content, and more importantly, the point of view, is unacceptable. Quote, unfunny, especially in the case of Chappelle. Unfunny, calling someone unfunny, is a slur. It's a piece of group-based sociological propaganda to discourage other comedians from going off the reservation in favor of the comedy of me, the comedy of identity politics, the official comedy of the woke flake. Go on stage and act like you're in front of Dr. Phil. That's indulging comedic narcissism. Some of that comedy is incredibly powerful. I, I, I offer that. I've seen a lot of it. Some of it's really well done. If it's personal, unique, coming from an original place, but you know what? The vast majority of it isn't. It's just self-serving indulgence, self-indulgence. Going on stage to make yourself feel important, to get that validation. Most of the content is simply recycled groupthink. That's what this whole fucking thing was. This woman probably wrote, I don't know, 200 words on recycled groupthink. She basically rewrote the entire woke flake liberal doctrine. The doctrine of acceptable comedic material. I've seen this shit a hundred times. She just rewrote it. She basically plagiarized everyone else who's ever said the same fucking thing. Nothing original in here outside of, what was that word that I found? Oh, chuckle fucks. I did enjoy that. That's the most uh, original thing in here. The thoughts, though, she used creative words, clever words. The thoughts here are all recycled horse shit. I hope your material is more original than this. There's nothing original in here. There's no original thinking in here beyond chuckle fucks. And I'll bet, I got a feeling you probably heard that from somebody else. Maybe somebody at the bar after one of your open mics. Hmm. Yeah, most of the content is simply recycled groupthink. The point of view, same as the last guys, just like this whole fucking thing. I'm fat. <laughs> I was a nerd in high school. <laughs> Sports sucks. <laughs> right? Here's what it's like to be gay or be trans. <laughs> isn't it funny? <laughs> isn't my point of view? Isn't my spin on the same thing the last chick said? Isn't it funny? Do you like it? Do you like me? Do you like me now? Love me. And again, what's worse is that most of this crap is ideological woke flake scripture, sociological propaganda disguised as stand-up comedy. The propaganda of chuckles. <laughs> Garbles. It's Woody Guthrie with his guitar hocking the Hoover Dam. And that's where the real terror and offense comes from in my... Uh, not so humble opinion, the horror of seeing one of their own, one of the, another comedian, escape from Jonestown and talk about it. That, I think, is the real horror here. I think that's the visceral response here. They can't have that. 
That's not the proper man. That's not the right type of comedian. You can't have ideological unanimity within the craft if people are going off the reservation, right? Now, they can't say that out loud, of course. And hell, I, don't, I doubt that they can even allow themselves to think something like that. They just feel that visceral response to sinful talk, blasphemy. The elephant takes over and they use the you're unfunny judgment as a rationalization to demand their cancellation and more importantly, as a warning to any other comedians within their sphere of influence not to speak counter to the social justice commandments that she has so eloquently laid forth here. The screed, the commandments. <laughs> Tell jokes about how trans women are women. <laughs> That's one of the best trans jokes or women jokes that I've ever heard. Is that trans, trans women are women? No, they're not. Sorry. Gender voice in your head does not count. Gender voice in your head does not count. Gender voice in your head, it does not count. Uh. What do you think of that? Like that? Boy, you've convinced me. Boy, you brought me right over to your side, haven't you? Thanks for sharing that, buddy. <laughs> I wasn't supposed to see it, though, was I? And it was supposed to be shared for the rest of the woke flakes out there in the Chicago comedy scene, wasn't it? That's the insidious nature. Social media. That your words, your proclamations, they have effects beyond the, the intended target. That's the beautiful thing about podcasting. And one of the reasons that I really enjoy podcasting, because you have to click on my face, as, as Chappelle said. You have to click on me. When you click on me, you're asking. You're asking my opinion on something. Whereas that was just shit, chat, into my news feed. I didn't ask for that. Ah, sure, I read it. It was shared with me. I was supposed to read it, right? But now I've moved just a little bit further. Now I have another beautiful example of woke flake extremism, of woke flake authoritarianism, comedic authoritarianism, the plague of the 2020s, I dare say. I just did say it. I went to a Chinese restaurant in New York, and the bitch I was with said there was hair in her food. You know, I said... Where's your hair, baby? She said, right here. I said, well, fuck it. We ain't gonna pay for that shit. Hey, man. Come here, man. Some hair in the food. Are you gonna have a food? I said, no, motherfucker. There's some hair in the food. I don't say on how. I said, yeah, yeah, motherfucker. There's some hair. Fuck you talking about? Take this shit out the way. And the bitch talking about, oh, it's all right. Shut up, bitch. If it was all right, why didn't you eat the shit? <laughs> I said, I ain't paying for shit. Come on, let's get the fuck out of here. And we was leaving, the motherfucker grabbed me. But he didn't grab me like motherfuckers grab you because we'd have been fighting all night. They know that karate and shit. That's how much was that? Gave the motherfucker a tip and everything else. Because <laughs> I heard bones and shit snapping.
I got the feminists all pissed off at me because I'm joking about rape. Feminists want to control your language. Feminists want to tell you how to talk. And they're not alone. They're not alone. I'm not picking on the feminists. They got a lot of company in this country. There's a lot of groups, a lot of institutions in this country want to control your language. Tell you what you can say and what you can't say. Because that's the way you control thought. And basically that's the game they're in. Same with religion. Religion is nothing but mind control. Religion is just trying to control your mind, control your thoughts. So they're going to tell you some things you shouldn't say because they're sins. Same with political groups of all kinds. Political activists, anti-bias groups, special interest groups are going to suggest the correct political vocabulary, the way you ought to be saying things, and that's where the feminists come in. I like to piss off any group that takes itself a little bit too seriously. And it does not take a lot of imagination to piss off a feminist. All you got to do is run into Now Headquarters or Ms. Magazine and say, Hey, which one of you cute little cupcakes wants to come home and cook me a nice meal and give me a blowjob? Blowjob! Oh, that pisses them off. You want to piss off a feminist? Call her a cum catcher. That'll get her attention. Ah, oh, don't act disgusted. Don't act disgusted. Half of you are going to go home and go down on each other tonight, remember? If you're willing to swallow cum, let's not make believe something I said was disgusting, okay? Huh? All right. Let's not have a double standard here. One standard will do just fine. Now, speaking of blowjobs. Do you know why they call it a blowjob? So it'll sound like it has kind of a work ethic attached to it. Make you feel like you did something useful for the economy. Long as I'm being a complete pig up here, let me ask you guys a question. Let me ask, let me ask one question of the men. Are you ever able to watch a woman eating a banana and not think about a blowjob? can't do it. And I know why. I'm a sick, evil fuck. I accept that. But I can't do it. Eating a banana, eating a pickle, licking on an ice cream cone. I'm saying to myself, look at the tongue on her. Wow. So you women, be careful when you're standing out in front of that haagen Because goddammit, we're watching. <laughs> and goddammit, we're thinking. Get hot. I'm afraid of gay people. 
petrified. I have nightmares about gay people. I have this nightmare that I go to Hollywood and find out that Mr. T is a faggot. <laughs> really, and he'd be walking up to people going, hey boy, hey boy, you look mighty cute in them jeans. Now come on over here and fuck me up the ass. Come on. I'm gonna bend over now. Mm. Ah. Hey boy, slow down. You gonna mess around and come too fast. Make me get mad, I'll clench up my butt cheeks and rip your dick off. You know, you know, you know who'd be a funny faggot? Ralph Cramden and Ed Norton. Wouldn't they be funny faggot? If Ralph Cramden leaned out the window they, one day and said, Norton! Norton Powell, come on down, I want to show you something. <laughs> hey there, Alfie boy, what do you say there, pal of mine? You know, Norton, I've been watching you. And I know you've been watching me, Norton. You watch me. I know. So, uh, Ralph, where are you getting at? Norton, my friend, how would you like to fuck me up the ass? I know you want to fuck me, Norton. And you know that I know that you know that I know that you want to fuck me. Now, I'm going to bend over. And when I do, start fucking. Here I go. Way to go there, Ralphie boy. I kid the homosexuals a lot, because they're homosexuals. I, I fuck with everybody, I don't give a fuck. It's like, um, I don't mean anything by it. You can hang out with a gay person. You can, guys, don't feel, you know, like, alienate gay people because they're gay, because you can play tennis with a gay person. Really, just after the game, you say, I'm gonna get a beer, what you gonna do? Think I'll go suck somebody's dick. Well, I'll see you later. <laughs> Take it easy. You go suck that dick, I'm gonna have to be Ladies, the hip to Gotta give your lawyer something to work with. You supposed to be on the tape like, this is the best 36-year-old pussy I've ever had in my life. And then your lawyer gonna be like, Your Honor, clearly my client thought that this woman was 36, as he mentioned some 16 times in the tape. <laughs> they gonna know you lying, though, you know what I mean? Everybody knows no such thing as good 36-year-old pussy. Listening to Escaping the Cave podcast, ChristopherMedia.net, also at EscapingTheCave.com. I'm Todd. Hi there. That was uh, Richard Pryor, George Carlin, Eddie Murphy, and uh, most recently Dave Chappelle from his Netflix special. So, lady, <laughs> comedy's supposed to be funny. That was what she said in this post, and I've heard this a million times from various people. Comedy is supposed to be funny. First and foremost, did you hear the roar of laughter? 
In the Carlin bit, in the Eddie Murphy bit, in the Richard Pryor bit, even in the Dave Chappelle bit there, people were laughing their asses off. Are you presuming to tell them that they were misguided in what they found were funny? Simply because it violates your liberal, your woke flake sensibilities. Funny, like many other things, is in the eye of the beholder, and not the one who presumes to hop up on the stump and preach. The stuff you ran down earlier, all of these little guidelines about what comedians should be talking about, should be talking about, there's the holy should, once the fuck again. I'm going to do a piece on that soon, 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 soon. I intended to do it today. I'm going to run out of time. But the holy shoulds that you mistake for idealism is puritanism. It's moral certitude. It's self-righteousness. It's telling other people what they need to say and how they need to react to what other people say. Fuck you. Fuck you. I, I swear to God, I'm having a really strong reaction to this. It's surprising me that I can't let this go. This is the third episode that I've talked about stand-up comedy in a row. Neither time did I really intend to spend very much time on it. And the problem here... I love stand-up comedy. I miss it. This crap that's passing for stand-up comedy. I'm going to go on stage and I'm going to give you my therapy session. You are my counselor today. This is what's wrong with me. That's fine. Occasionally, if it's something heartfelt, if it's powerful, if it's entertaining, something down that line is fine. But Jesus Christ, it seems like everybody needs to go. It's, It's the comedy of narcissism. I'm sick of it. I miss stand-up comedy. I miss George Carlin. I miss, if I could bring anybody back from the dead, it would be probably either him or Bill Hicks. I miss these guys. Richard Pryor, cutting-edge comedy. That wasn't exactly, where does that fit in your list here? Just non-shaming jokes about menstruation. How about non-binary folk? Asexuals, polyamorous folks, vegans, races other than your own. Well, I I seem to remember Richard Pryor talking about races other than his own back there. Oh, but we're supposed to be friendly about it. We're supposed to be non-offensive. Make sure we don't hurt any feelings. Are you taking yourself maybe a bit too seriously? Especially being in a field where Lenny Bruce was being thrown in jail for things he was saying on stage, things that people deemed and judged to be indecent, pornographic even. This is Lenny Bruce you're talking about. This guy in 1960 was more cutting edge, and he was paying a price for it. Back in the 1960s, he was more cutting edge than you want people to be today. All because you've got this progressive little list of acceptability That people are supposed to follow. Why are they supposed to? Because you say so? Because you've decided the cultural guidelines and the cultural guidelines of free speech, the comedic guidelines of free speech, of artistic expression. You are going to give a list talking about vegans, races other than your own, how to properly joke about these things. Non-shaming jokes about menstruation. I cannot get the fuck over that, especially when you're talking about overvalued dicks in the same thing. I know you think this is idealism there, Woke Flake. I know you do. I know you do, but you're right up there with Westboro. 
Pat Robertson moralizing, telling people what's acceptable, what's within the religious parameters of speech and behavior. Except you're secular. But it's the same, 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 same thing. Laying out the commandments for the flock to follow. The comedic flock. It's terrible. Especially, I'm going to say this again, especially coming from someone coming out of the tradition, the field of Lenny Bruce, Richard Pryor, George Carlin. Dave Chappelle's carrying that, but it drives you fucking nuts. It drives you fucking nuts that there is a comedian who's actually carrying on a tradition of going on stage, bucking convention. You are the conventional one now. I think I've mentioned that already. You're not the outlier. You're not the oppressed one. You're not the, you're not the marginalized one anymore. Your religion and your doctrine... Your sociological propaganda is everywhere. It's, it's, it's ubiquitous. You are now the mainstream trying to oppress anybody else who wants to get on stage and be cutting edge. Be different. Even if it's not cutting edge, even if it is borrowing from Carlin, borrowing from Pryor, Hicks, whoever, even Lenny Bruce, whatever. It's breaking the mold. It's going against the grain. And I tell you, And your first job is to be funny. I've heard that a million times. I dare say, getting a glimpse, I've never heard this person. I've never heard of this person's name. You know what? I doubt I ever will again. I seriously doubt. I will be highly surprised if the cheers and the crowd laughter that we heard through Richard Pryor's set in that clip and George Carlin's and Eddie Murphy's, and Dave Chappelle's, I don't think this person is ever going to hear that sort of applause and guttural laughter in her career because she sounds like everybody the fuck else today because she's got her little little guidelines that she can follow, that she must follow to be within the godly confines of acceptability. I miss good comedy. The reaction that I had watching Dave Chappelle on that Netflix special was, oh my God, it's different. Thank you, Jesus fucking Christ, more of this now. I don't care if he's white, I don't care if he's black, I don't care who the fuck it is, give me some fucking truth instead of doctrine. Instead of some fucking ideological scripture. I'm sick and fucking tired of it. And I I do pray. There's a couple of different ways to look at this. Lenny Bruce sort of set the tone. I mean, he, he gave people an idea or sort of a, maybe a framework to work with. And, hey, we can do this. We may have to pay a price for it, but free speech is worth fighting for. Another example is George Carlin. He went on stage, wore a suit and a tie, and was doing vanilla material as well. He got sick of it. He hated himself. He hated his career. He decided, you know what? I'm just going to go on stage and do my thing. And he went from this bland-ass comic in the 1960s, early 60s, he was successful, too. He gave up a good career. He was really good at that. He was popular. He was playing big shit like Vegas and shit like that. He decided to buck that and, and decided that he would rather do his own material, material he believed in, and risk failure than have success doing that shit. He did a great interview on all this. I think it's George Carlin's interview on comedy. If you want to look it up, it's fantastic. Man. Fantastic. Richard Pryor, I think, was the same way, if I remember correctly. He wasn't that good. And all of a sudden, he started, spe- he started speaking authentically. He started speaking raw. 
And all of a sudden, Richard Pryor showed the fuck up. Authentic Richard Pryor, authentic George Carlin, took him, shot him to the stratosphere. This fucking list you put out. Don't ever talk about self-shame menstruation. Don't joke about menstruation in any way that makes me feel bad. Fuck you. Fuck you. You don't like it, don't listen. It's as simple as that. To sell, tell somebody they can't write comedy about stuff like that. If it's funny and other people find it funny, it's comedy. There's no greater free market in entertainment than getting people to laugh. And just because it doesn't make you laugh doesn't mean a goddamn thing. There was a backlash, or maybe I don't know if it was a backlash, but there was a movement in the 1980s. Eddie Murphy was part of it, Bill Hicks, Sam Kinison. I mean, it was a real golden age for stand-up comedy in the 1980s. And these guys weren't bland and vanilla. They were getting out there. Right, And I pray to God, I hope there are comedians out there right now who are seeing this stuff. This kind of just shit. Dude, some jokes about how trans women are women, about how sex work is real. Oh, that's funny, how sex work is real work. Yeah, (laughs) Jesus fucking Christ. Boy, that'll be hilarious, huh? Just non-shaming jokes about menstruation. Where the fuck are you pulling this from? I hope to God there are comics out there, good, talented, passionate comics, funny people who are seeing this, and I hope they create something like what Bill Hicks and uh, Ron Schock, I forget what it was called now, they had a name for this group of comedians that came out of Texas in the 80s. I hope that there are some real, authentic comedians who are not afraid to buck this comedy cult This Jonestown comedic compound, bucket, kick it to the fucking curb and figure out a way to get your stuff out there. Because I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, there's going to be a market for this because the crap that's out there right now, this kind of stuff about how trans women are women, it's shit. I'm sorry. It's shit. Shit, 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 shit. You are not cutting edge or original. If you're going on stage, if you are the gay comedian, if that's your thing, that's your gay. And all you can talk about is being gay. You're not original anymore. That's not cutting edge. That is Clee fucking Shay. It's a trope. Go on and talk about your life. Okay, fine. Make it good. Or else you're going to sound like everybody else. Unless it's good. Unless it's compelling. I mean, really powerful shit. Nobody wants to sit there and watch you whine on stage for 20 minutes or however long, even eight minutes. Maybe your friends at the open mics will. Yay. That was awesome. If you're just playing for that crowd, fine. You're not going to get a barometer how your shit's going to be received by putting your crap up in front of other stand-ups all the fucking time. If you want to be a comedian's comedian, going by the guidelines and the rules and the Ten Commandments of comedy here, fine, knock yourself out. But nobody ever does anything. Nobody ever does anything great by being a conformist. It just isn't done. And if you have dreams about being great, you've got to buck shit like this. You cannot be thrown into this mold. And if people are trying to put you into that mold and you can't break out of it, you've got to go somewhere else where you can It's originality, being an iconoclast, bucking the mold. So you're not like everybody else. If you're like everybody else, you don't stand out and you're never going to explode. That's just the way it is. 
That's the way music is. It's the way just about every other art form is. You start out by imitating people, that's fine, but eventually you have got to come up with your own shit, your own style. And if that own style is making jokes about gay people, making jokes about liberals, making jokes about abortion rights activists, anything that bucks this fucking list, if that's you and you're good at it, you've got a passion for it, run the fuck with it and tell this bitch, go fuck herself. This is ridiculous. It's terrible. I've been to this scene. I've been in that Chicago comedy scene. I know exactly how homogenous, how nonconformity is almost non-existent. The creative element, the creativity, the artistic expression is taking the same doctrine, the same acceptable point of view, and rewording it just about all the time. That's what's passing for creativity and art. Very few people that I saw out there will break that. And then they'll sit out at the bar reinforcing the echo chamber after the open mic, giving each other pats on the back for sounding like everybody. I really like the joke about your day. It's pathetic. I'm sorry. It is. You know, I, I've, I've sat on this for a long time because I didn't want to, you know... <laughs> talk out of school. I didn't want to talk about these guys because I do. I like most of the people that I found in Chicago that I hung around with while I was working at that improv club and while I was tinkering around the very fringe edges of stand-up comedy. I like those guys. I don't want to say this. I don't want to go onto this podcast or anywhere else and I don't want to badmouth these guys, but Jesus Christ, if you're going to throw shit like this out there into my feed, I have a passion for stand-up comedy. I always have. And if you're going to throw shit like this out at me, I'm sorry, man. You're driving the stand-up comedy ship into a coral reef It's going to sink with shit like that. It's terrible. People talk about this all the time. I know you think this stuff's great. You guys, the, the, the sort of sealed-off little ecosystem, the echo chamber. Oh, you guys think it's great. Oh, that's just so funny. But people talk about this. Normal people, the people who are going to pay to go see you once you get out of open mic isolation. They don't want to listen to this shit. Maybe college campuses. Great. Is that your goal? To go play colleges? To the same fucking crowd doing the same material as everybody else? The same acceptable material? Is that, is that creative freedom? Is that artistic freedom to you? Why don't you just go sell Clorox or something? Do some Clorox commercials. Be a Clorox town. At least then, you know, somebody else is writing the shit. Instead of you writing your own shit so you can fit in. That is the key. It's always been the key to artistic success is being an original. Being out there, taking risks. Not just with how you look or your little pixie haircut or how gay you want to be on stage. That's not what I'm talking about. But getting away from the cliches, moving away from what everybody else is doing and doing your own thing and developing it with defiance, defiance to shit like this. The people that want to tell you what's acceptable in your art. Fuck them. They don't know what the fuck they're talking about. It reminds me of the story that I have. I went down to Puerto Escondido. I told Rich about this last week. This was, I think, in 2012. I went down there. I was out partying one night. And there was this uh, <laughs> Eastern European belly dancer who was in town. She was doing some kind of work down there. Everybody in that town who, who laid eyes on her was just like, oh my God, she's just so gorgeous. And she was. 
one of the most beautiful things I have ever seen in my life. Well, anyway, <clears throat> I'm at this bar, this uh, expat bar, just off the beach, hanging out. Place is pretty much empty except for me, the bartender, two other guys, and then this girl and the guy that she was seeing, uh, they're in Puerto, Puerto Escondido. I think she just hooked up with that guy for a week or whatever. Anyway, he was drunk. And I made a comment about uh, just a non, you know, non sort of aggressive, non flirtatious comment about how gorgeous she was. Because she was. People were just like, huh? It's the kind of thing you just, you, yeah, it, it's self evident, right? And I made a comment about it. And this guy, like I said, he was drunk. Oh my God, is this the, the societal standard of beauty? I mean, what is beauty anyway? The society, the culture is telling you she's beautiful. What does that mean anyway? And I looked at this guy. And I'm like, dude, what the fuck is wrong with you? Who the fuck are you to tell anybody that their interpretation, what they think is beautiful, isn't? Who the fuck are you to judge that? He just sat there, he's like, this is the kind of hippie you want to punch in the face, you know? But Karina, I think her name was. Yeah, that was it. She looked at me with this, this like, oh my God, thank you. Like I had just touched her fucking soul. And of course, nothing happened. I have a girlfriend and all that, but we did hang out the rest of the night. Left that stupid fuck, that stupid fucking hippie sitting at the bar, crying in his whiskey or whatever the fuck he was drinking. <laughs> Maybe it was Bartles and James. I don't know. But that reminds me of what we've been talking about here with stand-up. People telling you what's funny. People being the arbiter and the judge of what's acceptable and what's funny. It's horse shit. If you find it funny, it's fucking funny. And if enough people find you funny... You're fucking funny, regardless of what Moonbeam McCrack here has to say. Regardless of her guidelines. Do some jokes about how trans women are... Fuck you. You don't need her help. If you need her help, go into another line of fucking work, for the love of God, please. We don't need more hack comics preaching about liberal doctrine. Why we sure gave those stanky bitches what for? <laughs> As I said in the open, this wasn't supposed to be all of this. <laughs> this wasn't supposed to be uh, a single standalone episode. That was supposed to be part of something else, part of this uh, Walter Lippmann material that I'm moving sort of edging towards in the next episode. But it does tie into propaganda. Because what stand-up comedy has become, what this woman's talking about, what she's preaching, what she is insisting that everybody within her chosen field adhere to amounts to sociological propaganda. Woke flake comedy. The comedy of wokedom is sociological propaganda. It is nothing more. It is nothing beyond all of that. All you have to do is read the little checklist that she put forth as acceptable material for you, the stand-up comic, to talk about. Oh, and be careful, though, if you're one of the scapegoat critters, the white male, speaking out of turn, oh my God, be careful of the punishment. Watch out for the backlash coming from the minister of acceptable comedy. Hmm? This list, it's... Non-shaming jokes about menstruation. Talk about non-binary folk, about asexuals, polyamorous folk. 
Vegans and racism uh, being nice to races other than your own. While at the same time talking about men with their overvalued dicks, I really like this. The wank stained edgelord circle jerk fanboys. Talking about how white men, straight white men, have no perspective whatsoever unless, unless they're coming from this approved checklist. My friends, you can call this comedy if you want to. It may be using a humorous delivery mechanism. It doesn't matter. That is the textbook definition of sociological propaganda. She is not a comedian. She is a humorous propagandist. That's exactly what this is. Now, I know, I know. She's going to sit here. Maybe maybe somebody out there will send this to her. And she's going to be sitting there red-faced. A little fat face is just going to go beat red. Her face will look like it's about ready to explode because in her mind, she's nothing more than idealistic an activist fighting for social justice. The external god of cosmic justice. I'm fighting for justice. What's wrong? Oh, my God. I, oh, I'm so angry. I'm so angry. Um. The smell of my farts makes me feel better. I understand that. I get that. You know what? If that's the case, you're just full of shit. This is not idealism. These are beliefs. Sure. This is textbook. Textbook propaganda. And I, the, part of the reason that I, am, I devoted an entire episode to this that little piece that I put together featuring Pryor, Carlin, Eddie Murphy, and Dave Chappelle, I, I went looking for one clip and spent probably an hour putting that together, listening to old stand-up, listening to old material. And here's the thing. The reason that I am so pissed off about this is that a, a field, an art that I adored once upon a dime has been co-opted by a ministry of sociological propaganda in the same way, the same way that I watched Occupy, become co-opted by MoveOn.org, turned into a specific arm of, of one ideological outlet. I've seen this happen before, and it's happening to something very, very dear to me. It's being taken away from me. Yes, maybe it is a selfish uh, reason. Maybe I'm having a selfish reaction to this because I miss stand-up comedy. I miss George Carlin so much. George Carlin couldn't get on stage in front of this cunt because he could not make it through her little checklist. Presuming to put herself in a position to say, Mr. Carlin, you are unqualified because you're not woke enough. Perhaps you need a little re-education. Perhaps you need to be woke. And then, oh, well, then I will run down my checklist, compare it to your new material, and then perhaps, yes. Oh, Mr. Carlin, then, yeah, we'll let you come on stage and join our, our righteous cause. We'll let you join our little comedic congregation. This post, and again, I understand this is only one example, but this isn't just one example. This is a symbol for something that I have heard repeatedly. And this isn't just on, an online thing. I heard a lot of this shit. A lot of this stuff both said to me and <laughs> during my time as a comedic eavesdropper. Sitting at the table by myself, listening to various conversations among comedians going on around me. They were saying a lot of the same shit five years ago. This is advanced. The tumor has grown and it's now consuming 
the main body comedy. It bothers me. Because you need that. You need the gesture. You need uh, the fool. You need to have somebody who can stand up and use the power of humor and laughter to tell people the truth. This is not truth. This is naked, naked propaganda. Naked propaganda. There, I couldn't write it. Any, I could not write a propagandistic screed any better than this if I had to. It's got everything in there. It's got the agitation. It's got the scapegoat. And it has the acceptable thought how the proper socialist comic will behave and what he'll say, what he can believe. Carlin made a really good point. I used that part of that clip, the George Carlin clip, the feminist blowjob clip. Great clip. But he said in that clip, that people want to control your language because that's how you control thought. Now, this will usually make a woke flake go into some kind of a spastic fit. We're not trying to control your thought. We just don't want people's feelings to get bullshit. Bullshit. Blasphemy laws of all kind have nothing to do with anyone's feelings. They're putting the thought into your head that if you can't say it, if it's a speech crime, well, then you know what? It's a thought crime, too. If you can't say it, then why are you thinking it? That, that is how blasphemy laws are consistent worldwide and through every puritanical religion there is, including this one. You can't say that, therefore you can't think it. Don't think that. You're not thinking right. You're not thinking in the right way. You need to be re-educated. You need to be woke. Being woke is being re-educated. Being properly educated. It's another common and universal trait. Now, the Soviet Union, communist China, Cuba, all of these cliche communist examples we love to use, they all utilize pre-propaganda, which is political education. They all utilize re-education camps, denunciations, some style of McCarthyism, blacklisting, and scapegoats. It's all in this piece of shit paper that I swear to God, I'm not even kidding. Next time I take a dump, I'm going to wipe my ass with it. You should too. That's one of the shoulds that I'm going to let slide because, yeah. Take that to heart, my friends. Stand-up comedy has become... Sociological propaganda wrapped in comedy. Comedy is the sociological propaganda delivery system. And it's not that funny. It really isn't. Yes, I'm making a judgment call here. <laughs> we will tie this into the next episode. I promise you that I have it all written up here. The last episode would have been well over two hours long had I let it continue, so that's why we broke this up. So most of it's recorded, should be coming out real, 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 real soon. In the meantime, check out ChristopherMedia.net for the rest of your podcast needs. You can check out EscapingTheCave.com for all of your Toddzilla needs. And oh my God, after this episode, I'm sure, oh, you're craving some more Zilla in your life, aren't you? I'm flattered. Yeah, I am. Thank you ever so much once again for clicking in. We'll talk again soon. Till next time, so long.